You're listening to the Remax Hustle Podcast, brought to you by Remax of Western Canada. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Remax Hustle Podcast. My name is Wade Patterson. I'm a franchise development consultant with Remax of Western Canada, and I'm your host for this audio experience. The Remax Hustle Podcast is all about providing you with value by leveraging the knowledge and expertise of our Remax network. On this episode, I'm joined by Craig Pilgrim, a sales associate with Remax Elite who lives in St. Albert, Alberta. Craig has been in the real estate industry since 2005 and joined Remax in October 2011. Craig's career as a Remax realtor has enabled his desire to serve, and he has done so by leveraging his extensive network for the benefit of the causes he supports. Craig started the Remax Run for Kids in 2013, and today we're going to chat a little bit about how the event has been tweaked for 2020. Aside from real estate, Craig is a proud husband and father and an aspiring amateur triathlete who is passionate about volunteering for his community. Craig, welcome to the Remax Hustle Podcast. Wade, thank you very much. That was uh, one heck of an intro. Thanks for for having me on and talking about something that I... uh... I'm passionate about, which is the CMN and Remax Run for Kids. I can't wait to dive into that. And speaking of the intro there, one of the things I mentioned is that you got into the real estate industry in 2005. Why did you decide to shift gears? Because my understanding is you weren't in real estate before that. What led you to join the real estate industry? Well, it's a really long story, so I'll try and keep it shorter. What I can tell you if you flash back to the 80s, that's a long time ago, I remember sitting in my parents' kitchen table, proudly proclaiming I had finally figured it out. I knew what I was going to do when I finished high school. I was going to get into real estate. And I'll never forget, and I don't remember who was who, so I hope they're not paying attention today, mom and dad. One of them, they both dropped their heads and went and said, oh, geez, not that. And the other one said, oh, you're so much smarter than that. You should go to university. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did. I did what mom and dad said, and I did go to university, and I took the logical path to real estate by getting first into laboratory medicine, spent the, I'll say the better part of 10 years living and working in the US, in the US blood industry, it's an industry down there. So working with the American Red Cross and so on. From there, wanted to get home. So I came back and was doing some similar work, developing competency-based online training modules for specifically the blood banking world. So I would fly into places like Oklahoma and we would do, we would develop training content and then we would push it out to their lab techs that they hired to to train. So we were building that and I was considered the subject matter expert for that. Didn't want to be doing that anymore and made the logical progression from medicine into oil and gas because I'm in Alberta and that's what you do. It was interesting. I got hired by a company to be the director for a new department they were creating that was to do with greenhouse gas emissions and this whole new concept of greenhouse gas emissions and carbon footprint and so on. And I remember asking the president of the company then why on earth he thought he wanted to interview a lab nerd for oil and gas. And his words were, anybody that can put up with the US FDA can certainly put up with Natural Resources Canada. That's why I want to hire you. So that lasted a couple of years. And then frankly, wait, I just got tired of working for somebody else and always being there early and always doing the things and being much more efficient. And it was always for 
somebody else's benefit and for a paycheck. And I thought, geez, you know, there has to be way more than just this. There has to be more than getting a mortgage and a new vehicle and what the hell else is there? And I had forgotten all about the conversation with my folks about getting into real estate. And I was kind of miserable and hanging around the sofa after work because I'd get home most days around 3.30 because I started so early. And my not yet then wife, Kirsty, would kind of complain to her about not being very happy. And I said, you know what, honey, I'm going to get into mortgages. And she said, why would you get into mortgages? Why don't you just get into real estate? And my words, my parents' words came back to haunt me. Oh, I don't want to be one of those guys. So long story short, my wife was going back to school and she was working full time. I was working full time at that oil and gas company. And we just decided, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. It was all those years ago. I'm going to give it a try. And I'm going to see if what I wanted to do all of those years ago was really the right thing for me. And we decided that in the end, if I had to be one of those people that I was afraid of, that I would do one deal to cover my expenses and I would just carry on with life. And of course, you know, being in the industry for a long time, there are so few people that aren't amazing human beings in this business. They're, for the most part, the best professionals, certainly at Remax, the top of the top professionals in this industry are here. And those guys that I was worried about, those guys that my parents worried about, they really don't exist. They're just not here. And so from that day forward, I was sold. I got into to real estate. That was in, I got my license in the fall of 2004 and began trading in July of 2005. I'm always curious about how previous careers impact or helped people who get into real estate. So you mentioned their medicine, oil and gas. What did you take from those experiences that you think has made you be a better realtor? I think there's so many, Wade, there are so many, it's hard to nail down one, there's aspects of a greater purpose, there's aspects of of the greater good, you know, working in first a, a hospital laboratory setting, and then ultimately into something like the US system where everything is for profit, it puts a really different spin on what is for the greater good versus what is for profit and bottom line and so on. And so you learn I learned certainly how to differentiate the two, but also to realize how inextricably linked they often are for a lot of things. And that is really a good tie-in for what we all do in our industry in so much as we are doing it for somebody else. We are actually supposed to be doing it for free if that's what it takes. When you think about the strict interpretation of fiduciary obligations and acting in somebody else's best interests... But of course, they can't be separated. And there is a profit component, if you will, that has to be there. Otherwise, you can't exist to serve. And then 2011, you join Remax. What has kept you with the Remax brand ever since? Frankly, it's a giant family. It's a giant family full of the, like I said, the professionals in the industry. It's the top of the tops professionals. It's just an absolutely amazing organization to be a part of. Everything is supported from the ground up. And if there's a will, there's a way. Really, the focus of this episode is the Remax Run for Kids. So what I'm curious is, where did that idea come from? And what led you to start this initiative in 2013? That really is an awesome question. And I can remember it as though it were yesterday. So I joined the Remax Network, as you mentioned, in the fall of 2011, October 1st. 2012 was my very first... Remax conference, and I've not missed one since, at least not a Remax Western Canadian conference. So that was my very first Remax experience. And 
I attended, of course, the CMN luncheon. And I was absolutely blown away, just absolutely dumbfounded by the amount of money. And I don't mean that from a dollars and cents perspective, but from a purely generosity perspective, I could not believe the energy in the space for the will to do more for the kids, the excitement in the room, the, the cheers when people just amp things up. It was incredible. It was absolutely unbelievable. And I remember sitting there, just this noise around my head, lost in it going, holy smokes, I have to be a part of that. How, how can I be involved? I don't have the financial capacity, the financial will to spend like some of those people spend. But what else can I do? And I remember sitting there thinking, I have nothing. I have nothing. And I thought, you know what? I run. I'm a runner. Why couldn't I take my love for running and turn that into a thing? And so that's what I did. So a year later, it wasn't even a year later, because I think that conference was in early winter, January, February, and the next one was in the fall in 2013 in Victoria. That was the very first Remax Run for Kids. And so how did you get it going? I mean, how did you get word out that this was a brand new initiative? How did you get people to sign up for it? Sheer, sheer, sheer will. And frankly, just tagging the right people at the right time. I was new to the Remax network and you know being involved with the Remax network how important and how powerful and how strong the relationships are and I didn't fully appreciate that then again being brand new to the Remax network and so I really didn't know anybody and at that time I was very active on Twitter and Twitter was I think probably approaching or near its what I would consider it sort of peak of, of the way it used to be on Twitter. And that was really a powerful tool in getting the word out about the Remax Run for Kids. And frankly, the Remax Run for Kids has become the agents event. The people that participate, the people who are involved, it's almost always the same 80 or 90% of the people from across the country. And it's really their event. I'm just the one that helps put it together. That's really my role. And in some ways, that's how the very first one started. Nobody knew who the heck I was. They may have heard of me. They may not have heard of me. I met a few of them in 2012. And it just kind of took on a life of its own. People really got behind it. The people that are the names and faces that have been around the network for 20 or 30 years really got behind it and said, hey, this is a really cool thing. Let's support this. And they did. How has it grown over the years? I mean, that first event that you had, what was the participation like? How much money was raised? and then? Over the years, has that grown progressively every year? Yeah. So, so the very first one, Wade, was in terms of sheer numbers of participants out for the run was by far the highest. I forget what the number was. It was, I'm going to say it was 60 some people, maybe even higher. Wow. It really was quite something. A few of the participants haven't forgiven me because I made it start so early in the morning. I think it was gosh, I want to say maybe 5.45. It was really, really foggy. You couldn't see where you were going. It was an experience to be remembered. We took pictures in the dark in Thunderbird Park. That was by far the highest turnout and also the most money for a single event. And since then, it's sort of leveled off or plateaued. Like I said, it's the same 80% of people all the time. And we wind up with usually around $2,500 to $3,000 raised per event. And that's been that way more or less. We're at so we've done it six years now, and in the six years we've been doing it, we are right around the 28.5 mark. 
Interested in learning more about a career in real estate? Head over to joinremax.ca. A lot of events this year have had to pivot and switch gears. And I know you had some plans originally for what the run was going to look like. Can you talk a little bit about what your original plan was and how you've shifted into a virtual run this year? Yeah, so that's, um, you know, you talk about the power of relationships and, and there's just so much that happens at these conferences that you don't know the day you arrive. And I remember last year, 2019, preparing for the Remax run for kids in Banff. And it was going to be later than it had been historically. So it's going to be probably more of a winter affair. And it was chilly, but a little bit of snow. There were some agents out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, a husband and wife team, uh, Cynthia and Pierre Chiron. They came up to me. I had been communicating with them via Facebook a couple of times. They were really excited. They were going to be in Banff for the first time. They were new to the Remax network and they were just really, really excited about this run. And I had the opportunity to meet both of them face-to-face when we arrived in Banff. And they participated in the run, and they had such a great time, and they were so incredibly excited about it. They asked if I had not ever done one out east. Like, why don't they happen out east? And I just explained that, generally speaking, this happened every second year with Remax of Western Canada when we had our conferences, and that I didn't always know for sure if I was going to attend the reciprocal conference that Integra or then Ontario Atlantic put on. And so I just couldn't ever commit to doing it. And I didn't have anybody out East who would take it over and do it out East and I would do it out West. Well, before I even finished the sentence, Cynthia and Pierre said, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. So they jumped on board right away. They've been such huge, huge fans of the whole initiative and what it means to the kids. And so the plan for this year going out of Banff was that we were going to tag team them cheerleading it out east, me cheerleading it out west, and we were going to tag team it going into Quebec. And the idea was to get the Remax Quebec associates on board as well, because quite often there's an east, a west, and there's a Quebec. And Pierre is originally from Hull, Quebec. So we were going to leverage his, his inn into Quebec and hopefully build this huge, huge, huge event to happen at Remax Activate 2020. And of course, this little thing called a global pandemic came along and dashed all those plans. And, and we had sort of written off that there would even be a Remax run for kids for 2020. The world was on pause. Everything seemed to, to not be happening. And I was on a, one of those Remax happy hour social calls we've been doing with a couple of cocktails and way too many Zoom windows open. And just as a call was ending, I threw out to a bunch of the usual suspects, if I did a virtual Remax run for kids, would you support it? Or do you think it's a terrible idea given the nature of things? And it was instant. The support was like, yeah, you got to do it. You got to do it. So within five days, four days, uh, we were live with the event. It's the Remax run for kids virtual 2020. And Cynthia and Pierre are cheerleading it in the East. I'm cheerleading it here in the West. And it's happening on Father's Day weekend. And we've taken the whole thing virtual. That's amazing. So what are the details? How do people sign up for this? We were trying to work out some of the details. As you know, from your experience, this has always been a a fun run, a fun walk. There's always been a sleeping category, but not this year. No excuses this year, friends. There's no official race director. There's a lot of the things that you should do. We don't do. This is meant to be a bunch of agents getting together for the kids. That's really what it's always meant to be. 
And so what we're doing this time around is we're running it on Father's Day weekend. So basically, when you get up in the morning on, I guess it would be June 20th, Saturday, June 20th, until you go to bed Sunday night, June 21st, sometime in that, call it 48-hour window, we just want you to get outside with a spouse, with your kids, whatever you're going to do. If you're a runner, a walker, it doesn't really matter. Get out, track the 5K on your favorite tracking app. So there's tons of free apps, and we have them on the registration page. There's Strava, Map My Run, Nike has one, Garmin has one, Endamondo. There's a whole bunch of them. They're all free. Pick your own route. Go through your neighborhood, your favorite trails in your city, whatever it is you want to do. Track the 5K and just post it to our Facebook page, the Remax Run for Kids Facebook page. And that's where we're going to track it all. We have uh, online event registration, and I'm, and I'm hoping you can put this in the show notes. We have it set up through Eventbrite. So the custom link is rr4k, this is number four, virtual.eventbrite.com. So if people can go there, they pay their $50 registration fee. We did order swag. The swag is on its way. We actually added a link to the company called Buff out of the U.S., so that people understand what the tube bandana or the neck bandana is, and they realize it's not a mini skirt. It's actually got 12 purposes, <laughs> and there's videos on how to use it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the details on that one, Wade, in terms of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And we're trying to get, we'd love to get, we believe we can get 100 people for the first crack. We're way short of that right now, so we just need some help pushing it out there. So in terms of, of the route and everything like that, people can choose their own as long as they track any 5K anywhere they want to go. Is that correct? 100%. 100%. At the end of the day, there won't be any policing. So if you only wind up doing 4.5 or 3.5 or you do 10, it doesn't really matter what you do. We just want to see people get out, really support the run and ultimately support the kids. You know, Wade, always in not-for-profit, and I'm not a pro- not-for-profit professional, but I do work on a few and serve on a few not-for-profit boards. And so I, I get this information through the executive directors and those folks who are the fundraising professionals and the not-for-profit professionals. A big challenge always is that the vast majority of donations are individual donations. Corporate donations are important, and we all know how important they are. It's always individual donations for any agency and any charity that matter the most. And we're all struggling. I mean, realtors are really struggling this year. In Alberta in particular, but I know across the country, real estate is more challenging probably than it has been in a long, long time. We don't have any extra cash to, to, to give, to support. You know, Everybody's asking for it. Very few have it. And so this is one of those things where we're doing the best we can. We're all doing the best we can. But if we all sort of sit on our, on our hands and say, gosh, I got to take care of mine first, what about all those kids? What about all those kids that need the extra 50 bucks from you and from me to to get through this year? And that's what this is all about. You're somebody who has always cared about community and giving back. Where does that stem from? Is that just something that was enforced to you from a young age or where does that come from? That's a great question. And the short answer is I don't know. I don't recall my parents ever necessarily driving that message in. Of course, my parents always led by example. They volunteered for every darn thing when it came to coaching soccer, minor baseball, doing the bingos in the uh, smoke-filled bingo halls for fundraising. Like my, my folks did all of that, so certainly some of it had to have come from there. Uh, I have to believe that my interest, early interest, out of high school and university to get into that 
that patient caring type world probably pays a ro- plays a role in that. And then I think just as I've gotten older and realized that I have the capacity, thanks to the type of work I've chosen, the profession that I've pursued, I have opportunities that people who work eight to five jobs typically don't have. And it's because eight to five isn't anymore. It's typically seven to seven. They have families, they have spouses, they have lives, and they're dog dead tired at the end of the day. And I have these little windows of time that I have the luxury of manipulating more so than most. So why not use them for the benefit of others? I love it. So inspiring. And since this is the Remax Hustle podcast, we like to end every episode with a hustle tip. So feel free to take this wherever you want to go with it, Craig. (laughs) But what is your Remax Hustle tip for accomplishing a task when you need to get something done? The tip is go for it. Just get off your sofa and go for it. It's funny because I'm not really that way in my business per se. I don't have any panacea silver bullet solution of how you can go from 10 deals to 100 deals. That's just not how my business is. But I can tell you from the perspective and the slant of this particular hustle podcast and the Remax Run for Kids, what it's shown me is get up off your sofa and hustle. And in this case, hustle for CMN and hustle for the kids and, and hustle to make an impact, a positive impact. Well, this has been a really inspiring episode. I want to thank you so much, Craig, for taking the time to share your knowledge and your passion for the community on this episode of the Remax Hustle podcast. Awesome, Wade. Thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. I can't wait to hear the uh, polished product. And that's all for this episode. We hope you took away an idea or strategy to help grow your business and perhaps most importantly, allow you to continue that Remax hustle. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Remax Hustle podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from.